Before we get into the word tonight, tonight is our teaching service. And then we've been talking about the blood of Jesus, the power in the blood, which we started on Sunday. And we trust God that tonight we will be able to finish that series. And then, of course, tonight or today is the last day of the prophetic fasting that the Lord gave us. We started on the 1st of December, and today is the 14th, 14 days of prayer and fasting with Passover. And the Lord has been good. Amen. I said amen. amen. Has the Lord been good to you? <laughs> has the Lord been good to you? Jesus is our Passover. Has been sacrificed for us, the Bible says. But as we're worshiping the Lord tonight, the word of the Lord came to me. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Started in from verse 28. I want to quickly share that prophetic word. And I believe that word is for someone. This is not the time to move around. This is the time to hear the word that will move you to the next level. Tell your neighbor, concentrate and listen to the word. Romans chapter 8 and then verse 28. And we know that all things Walk together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. And then he went on to explain, you know, the process of this call. For whom he did for no, he also did predestinate. To be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And then verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate. You know the first thing is that whom he foreknew. And then he pre predestinate. He predestinated. And then whom he predestinated, he said, them also he called. So if you're here tonight and you're born again, God foreknew you, God predestinated you, and then he has called you. That's the third level. You have been called of God. You're a member of the church of God, the church of Jesus Christ, the church which means ecclesia, are the called out people. You have been called. And then them whom he called, the Bible says, he also justified. <laughs> we have been justified because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. And then... Whom he justified, them he also glorified. 
So we are in the level of glory. We are in the season of glory. And then there are levels of glory. And so the Bible says, we are changed from one degree of glory to another. As by the Spirit of the Lord, we are transformed from glory to glory. So we are in that position of glory, but there's also a transformation that begins to happen in our lives and then begins to push us into different levels of glory in God. Why? Because you cannot fathom the whole glory of God. That every time you come into the presence of God and you behold his glory, then it reveals another dimension of his glory, another dimension of himself. Now the glory of God is the revelation of the presence of God. The glory of God is the revelation of who he is. And then because you cannot put God in a box. So every day <laughs> he reveals his glory. A dimension of his glory. Another dimension of his glory. Another dimension of his glory. In fact, every day is loaded with his glory. But verse 28, he says, And we know that all things... All things. Now according to the eternal principles of God. For them that are called. According to his purpose. All things work together for our good. All things work together for our good. So what are we supposed to do to make sure that all things work together for our good? Look at it, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed. So we know what he wants us to be conformed to. To be conformed to what? To the image of his son. Now give me Amplified Classic there, 29. 829. I think you might need to work on this screen here. 829. For those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning for ordaining them to be molded. Come on, say molded. Is that to be molded into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. So we know the end result is that we should be molded. So the one that all things are going to work together for is the one that sees the end result. The end result is that my life must be molded into the image of Jesus Christ. I must practically begin to walk here on earth 
Just like Jesus walked here on earth. And that's why he came and then modeled what is possible in the born again believer. What is possible in a new creation. He modeled it. There was a time he came to the Tower of Gadara. And there was these madmen that nobody could control. Chains could not even control the madman. The madman breaks chains like, like, um, <laughs> like wafer. Breaks it like wafer. The natural human being with demons. And yet Jesus appears and then the demons were afraid. And they ran towards Jesus in that man. And then the, the man that nobody could control. The man bowed and worshipped Jesus. When I read that, I said, well, man, that's Rem. And yet, this is what the Lord has called us to. <laughs> to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. To be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. He said, all things are working together for good to them that love God. And of them who are the called according to his purpose. What is that purpose? To be conformed. To the image of Jesus Christ. So if you put that right in front of you. And that's your pursuit in life. The Bible says as he is so are we on earth. So we know that our spirit man is one with the Lord. But here the Bible is saying that we should be conformed. What area of our life is it talking about now? It's talking about our soul to be conformed. Our soul to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So if all things are going to work together for your good, then you must have this purpose right in front of you. You must have this predestination point right in front of you. And that is your soul must conform to the image of Jesus Christ. It must be your pursuit. Every transformation, everything, every word of God that is coming to you is for this purpose. It's for this purpose that you be transformed. That you be conformed to the image of Jesus. It's for that purpose. And then every other thing will begin to work. <laughs> if that's your pursuit, every other thing will begin to work. You won't need to struggle about any other thing. You will just know exactly what to do. That idea will come. That business idea will come. Because there's one pursuit in your life. And that's to be transformed. 
to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. He has become your priority in life. He has become your number one in life. And you know what that does? It affects everything you do. It suddenly releases the fear of God upon your life. Then you know how to stand in awe of him and worship him. That when you come to church and you come with God's people to worship the Lord, there is just one person, there's just one focus, and it's all about him. It's all about Christ. Hallelujah. Ask your neighbor, did you get that? So what we are saying is that your life must just be about who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself must be your priority. Not you. The reason why people do a lot of things is because they're just thinking about themselves. Themselves, themselves, themselves. No, no, no. You, you just focus on Jesus. Leave the rest. He will sort you out. Tell your neighbor, the Lord will sort you out. Focus on him. The Bible says he's the author and finisher of our faith. He said we should look, do what? Look unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. So one of the key things the Lord has been speaking to us these 14 days, and I wanted to take advantage of it, take advantage, I would say two things, two things that you must not allow this year to pass without you experiencing it. Very, very important. Psalm 65 verse 11. Psalm 65 verse 11. Said, Thou crownest the year with thy goodness and thy paths drop fatness. Come on, let's read it together. Let's go. Thou crownest the year with goodness and thy paths drop uh, fatness. Now let's say it again. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness and thy paths drop fatness. So we see. The way the Lord prophetically ends the year. <laughs> that in every season of the year, God is saying that the end of the year is always better. Because it, says it crowns it with what? Goodness. With goodness. In other words, talking about greater goodness. Not at the beginning of the year. We'll not start with goodness. Starts with goodness, but he's talking about greater goodness here because crowning, crowning it is like now we're going to put jara upon jara upon jara. Hallelujah. This God is so wonderful. <laughs> and I don't want you to miss that jara. There's a jara for you this season. Let me tell your neighbor, say there's a jara for you this season. A jara of goodness for you. 
You are going to stand on your feet and say, Father, the jar of goodness that is meant for me, I claim it in the name of Jesus. Lord, you said that this year is a year of manifestation by the Lord. I decree that that goodness, the jar of goodness that you have for me, this end of the year, I receive in the name of Jesus. Let this goodness be more than even all the 11 months in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Still remain standing. Psalm 138, verse 8. Psalm 138, verse 8. He said, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. I don't know about you. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endure forever. Forsake not the works of your hand. Amen. The Lord is perfecting your work. The Lord is perfecting all that concerns you. In the name of Jesus. You are in the season of perfection. Whatever it is that you need to move to the next level. Because of the perfection of the Lord, it is released unto you. In the name of Jesus. Come on, declare it and, and then speak it for, your, for yourself and for your family. In the name of Jesus. Bring a hand, the Lord is perfecting everything that concerns me. In the name of the Lord. You are perfecting everything that concerns me. In the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We'll give you praise. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Amen. Please you may be seated. The power in the blood of Jesus. And then we started by saying, number one, life is in the blood. We saw in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. So the blood of anything carries the life of that thing. So that's why when the blood, when, when that thing loses blood, it loses life. And then life Slips out of that thing. So the blood represents life. And then you need to know life is in levels. Life is in what? In levels. There are three types of life. Major three types of life. The animal life. And then the human life. And then the life of God. The life of God. The life of an animal. The life of a human being. And then the life of God. And here we're talking about the blood of Jesus. The blood of God himself. Which carries the life of God. And this blood was sacrificed for us. 
So you see how powerful the blood of Christ is. Because it's the very life of God himself. And then we did say, number two, that by the blood of Jesus, we have eternal redemption. By the blood of Jesus, we have eternal redemption. We say that in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. It says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. By whose blood here? By the blood of Jesus Christ himself. He said, by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. We are not trying to obtain eternal redemption. Jesus Christ, the moment he entered to the holiest by his blood, he has obtained for us eternal redemption. And what does the redemption mean? Is from the word redeemed. You have been redeemed. The word redeemed means that you were a slave. And then someone has to come and pay your ransom. So that you can be freed. And you know the currency that was used was the precious blood of Jesus. The highest currency in the world and the realm of the spirit is the blood of Christ. The blood of Jesus. And this blood was used to redeem you from the hand of the devil. So what does that mean? It means the devil does not have any legal grant on your life any longer. He's got nothing on you. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid everything. He paid the whole thing with his blood. You see, First Peter chapter 1, 18 to 19. Says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. Glory to God. We are not redeemed by money. He said, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by traditions from your father. Again, we see here what we're redeemed from also. We're not just redeemed from the devil. He said we're redeemed from vain conversation. From the works of the flesh. There's a power that is in the work of the flesh. And the Bible says we have been redeemed from that power. In other words, the works of the flesh does not have any leg ride on us again. Does not have any power over our lives. We are not supposed to be controlled by the works of the flesh any longer. He said we have been redeemed from our vain conversation that we received by the traditions of our fathers from Adam. The negative traditions that we have received. He said we have been redeemed from it. Amen. Amen. And then how? But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot so we have a legal right to operate in authority over the devil we have a legal right to operate in authority over the flesh we have the legal right to operate in authority over circumstances and situation we have the legal right to operate 
in authority over sicknesses, diseases, all kinds of sickness and disease. We have the legal right to operate over demons. All kinds of demons. Why? Because Jesus paid with his precious blood. And then we did say, number three, on Monday, during the prayer, we talked about number three, he said, the blood of Jesus purges your conscience from dead work to serve God. Why is it why is it that the Bible talks about the conscience? Okay, let's read. Let's read it from that Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13. Hebrews 9, 13. Why? 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 Is it that the blood of Jesus needs to purge our conscience? Because the conscience is very key to the service of God. You see, Paul talks so much about the conscience. I serve the Lord with a pure conscience. With a sincere conscience, they keep saying that. Because there's no way you can serve God outside of your conscience. No, your conscience is very important in serving God. Hallelujah. Sam, you still need to look at this. Still hearing um, echoes. Your conscience is very key. When the word of the Lord is coming and then it's hitting your conscience, what are you supposed to do? You run to the blood of Jesus. <laughs> the blood of Jesus will deal with everything that is causing your conscience to be doing like this. It will remove all the guilt. It will deal with it. The blood of Jesus will deal with it. So that you can be able to serve God with pure conscience. With a conscience that is sincere. So the blood of Jesus releases that ability. It is not for you to run away from him. No, 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 no. You don't run away. The blood of Jesus has been made available to you. Hallelujah. So Hebrews chapter 9 verse 13. Hallelujah. Okay, this is better. Hebrews 9 13. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean. You know what? Let, let, let's read from the Amplified Classic so that people can understand it. Or maybe let's do NLT. I'm down to NLT. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Now verse 14. It's a just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds, so that we can worship the living God. Now, worshiping the living God is a big deal. It's a big deal. 
And then doing it right is a big deal. So one of the things that the blood of Jesus came to do is to put us in a position to be able to worship God in spirit and in truth. In sincerity of heart. See how powerful the blood of Jesus is. And that's why when, when you are struggling in your heart, struggling in your heart, and you know, or you, you know that, oh, there are some of those uh, uh, habits that you are struggling with, struggling with. What do you do? You come to the blood. <laughs> you come to the blood. The Bible says the blood of Jesus will purge your conscience from evil works, from evil deeds, from sinful deeds. That's the power in the blood. Some believers that are not well taught, you know what they do? They run away instead. Run away. That's how you see some, you see some believers when they are, when their conscience begins to disturb them. There are certain things they do. You don't see them in church again. You don't see them. Or you just see that they, they just lose the passion for God's work. They can still be coming to church, but you see, you see that that passion is gone. And then you are trying to tell them, do this one. They are running away. What is happening? Guilt. The devil is using guilt. But do you know the power in the blood? That's why the Bible could say, doubt there is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Because of the blood. That you can, you can just stand before the blood and say, Lord, I know I missed it. I know I'm struggling here, I'm struggling here. Now I tap in into the power and the blood. And then whatever it is, the blood of Jesus will deal with it. And then there, is, there will be that freedom in your heart to begin to worship God. And you don't have to wait till tomorrow. It can happen right now. And then you begin to worship the, the, the Lord the way you are supposed to worship Him. Hallelujah. So the conscience is very key because the conscience is involved in everything we do. The conscience is involved in everything we do. The conscience brings the realm of the spirit close to us. The conscience is able to know what is going on in the realm of the spirit. It's that part of you that, 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 that can understand the vibrations of God, the vibrations of heaven. And so that's why the devil tries to make sure that your conscience is dead. So you don't even know, you, you can't know what is good from what is bad. You can't discern any longer. Everything just looks good to you. And that's why the Bible warns that, see, you need to be careful because in the last days, he said, the conscience of some believers, the conscience of some believers will be seared with hot iron, like hot iron, seared with hot iron. So that's why you, at times you, you won't be able to understand some believers, you just see, they, they are just doing certain things 
and yet they, they don't see anything bad in it. You can't explain it. But thank God for the blood of Jesus. That if you understand the power in the blood of Jesus, apply that blood upon that conscience. It's going to clear it. To clear it. <laughs> when, when it clears it, suddenly you know, wait. So this thing is wrong. This thing is wrong. If the blood of Jesus has worked for you that day, I mean that way, you will appreciate what I'm saying. Hallelujah. It's the power in the blood. Tell your neighbor, power in the blood. It's, it's supernatural. This particular work of the blood is so supernatural. And you have to believe it. Because the Bible says it. And I've seen this transformed life. Practically. I've seen people, you know, I've seen people that the blood just works on their conscience. And then they just suddenly realize that, oh, no, 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 no. And today, when they look back, they just keep glorifying God. And their heart is so tender. So your conscience is that part of the heart that knows what is right from what is wrong. When everything begins to look right to you, there's a problem with your conscience. You understand? You just believe that, ah, yeah, you know. They say, you want to travel outside of Lagos. They say, but ah, see, your, your, your car papers are not, uh, they are not up to date. They are, don't worry, don't worry. Don't worry. Ah, we know our ways now. We know how to do it. You know, when police stop, we just give, I just, it's not just a uh, hundred naira. We just give a hundred naira. There's a problem with your conscience. Your conscience is going. Your conscience is going. And I, I heard a pastor saying, I mean, just said that kind of a thing. I'm like, what? And I said, at the airport now, you want to see your loved ones out. I mean... To the airport, and then they will say just only one person can go in with the person, and then you say yes, all my family members must go in. And say hey, if you want to go in, then give us something, and then they, I mean it's so easy for you to just give. Check it out. There's a problem with your conscience. Check it out. I would rather, I mean, I've been, I'm trying to see them, see, see the person of, we've been staying together, right? You understand? I will see the person of very well. In fact, we may not even sleep throughout so that we can look at ourselves very well, very well. 
You understand? We don't need to look at ourselves inside the airport. At the gates, we say bye-bye. Glory to God. Nonsense. But thank God for the blood of Jesus. If you're struggling with that kind of a thing, the blood of Jesus is there. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus purges our conscience. But it makes it so clean. Removes all those nonsense out of it. That's why the conscience is, not, is different from the heart. The conscience is a part of the heart. So, so the heart is the, is the part that needs to experience transformation, you know, by the word of the Lord. But the conscience does not need transformation by the word of the Lord. The conscience needs transformation by the blood. It's instant. You apply it, it cleans it. It's like a soap. So you look at that plate and it's dirty. What do you do? You bring the soap and then wash it. The heart is not like that. You cannot wash the heart like that too. Amen. You must understand the difference here. You can't wash the heart. You just come and then say you want you girls wash the heart one day instantly like that. No. No, the, the heart, the mind of man cannot be washed that way. The renewer of the mind comes by the word of the Lord. But your conscience can be purged instantly by the blood of Jesus. Your conscience is a part of your heart. And it needed, is needed to be clean for a quick heart transformation. The conscience is the home of sincerity. It's not the home of perfection. Amen. The conscience is the home of sincerity. It's not the home of perfection. God is not expecting perfection. Instant perfection. We grow into perfection. But God expects sincerity. Sincerity. And that sincerity is, see, you just come before the Lord. It's like I'm perceiving that in this area that it's like something is trying to come in there. Lord, I come before you. I come before you. I come before you. Now, if, if you lose that sense of sensitivity that you cannot even perceive that in a certain area of your life, you are, you are you're already, you're already moving in a negative way. You're, there's a problem with your conscience. There's a problem with your conscience. You should be able to know. You should be able to know that ah, it's like, ah, the anointing is not flowing the way it's flowing before. You should be able to know. Now, when there's nothing wrong with your conscience, you will have that desire to run towards God. Say, I must have special retreat before the Lord. Spend time with Him. Is that your conscience that will be pushing you to that? But when you cannot even perceive that there's something wrong with you, not talk of you even taking time, 
you know, with the Lord. There's something wrong with your conscience. You just lie and then you, you don't know you lie. There's something wrong with your conscience. Something wrong with your conscience. But you know what? The blood of Jesus can instantly clean up that conscience. The Bible says. Amen. That is very important. Very, very important. And number four, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15, Hebrews 9, 15, said, And for this cause he is the mediator of the new covenant, or new testament, by, that by means of dead, for the redemption of the transgression, that were under the first testament, they which are caught might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So because of the blood of Jesus, we have received eternal inheritance. That promise has become a covenant. It's no longer a promise, but it's a covenant because we have received it. It's no more a promise. We have received it. And by the way, see, that conscience thing is very... Conscience... When your con if the conscience is not clear by the blood of Jesus, that's when you begin to hear lying spirit. And then somebody just say, I'm led, I am led, I'm led by God to do this one. It's a lying spirit. Because there's a problem with your conscience. It's not God speaking to you, and yet you you think it's God speaking to you. It's a lying spirit. Whereas if you look down into your spirit man, you know that mm -mm. I, am, I am saying that God led me because I am just not being sincere to myself. Telling you. And then when we are preaching this kind of a message and your heart is doing big, 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 big like this. Amen. We are not here to cause people to fear. It's a sign that, see, go and sort yourself out by the blood of Jesus. And it's here. Before you leave here, the blood of Jesus will remove every fear in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to bow your head. Just bow your head. I want, you to, I want us to deal with this. Let's deal with it. Let's deal with it. I want you to sincerely go before the Lord and say, I apply the blood of Jesus. I apply the blood of Jesus upon my conscience so the blood of Jesus purges my conscience from evil. from dead words so that I can serve the living God with sincerity of heart. Lord, apply the blood upon my conscience in the name of Jesus. 
Just talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. And it's that simple. That simple. Just believe the power in the blood of Jesus. So this promise is no longer a promise. It's a covenant because we already received the promise of eternal inheritance. So we have an inheritance in God. We have an inheritance in Christ. Though it's in the realm of the spirit. But the blood of Jesus gives us that guarantee that this thing that is in the realm of the spirit can become manifested in the realm of the physical. So we have access to the holiest, to the throne of grace. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Hebrews 10, 19. So having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. So, so what the blood of Jesus has done is that he gives us boldness. And that's why the issue of conscience needed to be dealt with. Because when that conscience is not dealt with, there's no boldness. You will not be able to stand against anything. I'm telling you. <laughs> if you have not experienced, if you are not sensitive to this and have not gone through it before, I've gone through it before. So, but when the blood of Jesus cleanses your conscience, then boldness comes. And then it gives you that boldness to have access to the throne of grace. You enter in with boldness into the throne of grace. Hebrews 4, 6 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So the precious blood of Jesus has given us access to God himself. So I don't have to go through my pastor. I don't have to go through my DLG pastor. I don't have to go through my leader. I can go straight to God. I can ask the Lord anything. You can ask the Lord anything. And he will speak back to you. You have that access because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. Number five, the blood is the enforcer of the promised inheritance. The blood is the enforcer of the promised inheritance. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 19. Hebrews 9, 19. For when Moses has spoken every preceded to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God has enjoined unto you. So the blood of Jesus enforces the promised inheritance causes it to manifest. It's the enforcer. So that's why the testator must die before the will can be enforced. The person that wrote the will 
must die first before you can enforce the will. And then number seven, the blood of Jesus. Sorry, number six. Amen. <laughs> I really want to finish this tonight. Number six, nothing is made clean or purified in the realm of the spirit without the blood. Nothing is made clean, nothing is purified in the realm of the spirit without the blood. See the power in the blood. Nothing in the realm of the spirit is acceptable to God. Nothing in the realm of the spirit is clean. And that's why we are made clean by the blood of Jesus. That's why when the devil sees us, he sees us as saints because of the blood of Jesus. For your perception will affect how the devil sees you. If you don't see yourself as one that has been washed by the blood of Jesus, the devil won't see you that way. Because he sees you through your perception. The devil sees you through your perception. And that's why every time the devil is trying to get your perception about things. Trying to hear what you got to say. And then he will use whatever you say as a legal ground to relate with you. So if you say, I'm a fearful person, well, the devil will say, well, that's what he said. So he has to be a fearful person. But if you say, I'm bold, then the devil can't do anything about that. Hebrews 9, 22, he said, And almost all things are by the Lord purged, with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. So number seven, the blood of Jesus destroys the power of sin. The blood of Jesus destroys the power of sin. Look at verse 26 of that Hebrews 9. Verse 26. He said, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But not once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So, sin has been put aside. Sin is not your problem. The blood of Jesus dealt with it. Little wonder the Bible says, sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because the blood of Jesus dealt with sin. If sin is having dominion over you, it's because you don't understand the power of the blood. You are trying to live above sin by your own strength. No. You don't need to live above sin by your own strength. You live above sin by the blood of Jesus. And that is why everything the blood of Jesus has made available to you, you must begin to walk in it. The blood of Jesus gives you access to the throne of grace. Some people, they want to walk above sin without entering into the throne of grace. How is it possible? That's why the blood of Jesus, first of all, dealt with your conscience. And then gives you access to the throne of grace. So that you will receive what? Help. You will receive strength. In your physical body. You receive strength. Strength over what? Sin. So if you notice that ah, it's like your life is not what it's supposed to be. Just go deeper. Into the throne of grace. Go deeper. And then, you know, commune with God in tongues. You can stay there for a long time. 
By the time you come out, it's a different, a different thing entirely. You must understand that Christianity is spiritual. It's not, it's not physical. You must be known in the realm of the spirit. You must be a frequent visitor. In fact, the Bible expects you to live in the realm of the spirit. To live in the spirit. And living in the spirit brings the dimension of you being conscious of the manifest presence of God. Living in the consciousness of the manifest presence of God. So if you, if you, if you sense that you are losing that consciousness of the manifest presence of God, then you go fire it up. You go and fire it up with a retreat. Spend time. And you, you don't have to travel to do retreat. Just lock up yourself in the house. Pray in tongues. Hallelujah. And this is the time and the, I mean, the, the season that you can always do that as you get set for the new year. If you've been praying one hour before, you can say, okay, all right, I'll just do two hours in preparation for the new year. Spend extra one hour and then begin to hear the vibrations of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Sin no longer have dominion over you. The power of sin to lord it over you has been destroyed. The blood is the answer to sin's dominion. And number eight, while the blood of Jesus has brought to us is peace. Peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Peace. And what does peace mean? Nothing is missing and nothing is broken. In other words, when the blood of Jesus comes and then releases peace to our heart and then releases peace to our situation, anything that is broken is restored back. Anything that is missing is restored back. That's the power of the blood. He has brought us together with God. There was enmity between us and God. And then he has made peace with us and God. And that's, I mean, that's the key thing. That's the key thing. You are one with God, then you are one with peace. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20, just write it down. Number 9. Number 9, the blood of Jesus is always speaking. But what is he speaking? Hebrews 12, 24. The blood of Jesus is speaking. And what is he speaking? Hebrews 12, 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. What is, what is he speaking? The Bible says he's speaking better things than that of Abel. Number one thing you need to know that is that he's not speaking one thing. Bible says he's speaking better things. Things. So he's speaking a lot of things. And what is it that he's speaking? He's speaking the eternal inheritance that has been given to you. So that's why you need to join the blood of Jesus to speak the same thing. That all the promises of God, they are yea in Christ Jesus. And then we say the amen. 
We say we agree. We are the one that say the amen to it. Before you can say amen to something, you must know what that thing is. And that brings us to the place of studying the word of God to know exactly what is God's will concerning this situation. What is God's will concerning this situation? What is God's will concerning this situation? Sometimes people don't even know what the will of God is concerning a situation they're going through. They don't know whether it is God's will for me to pass. You are doing an exam and you don't know. The Bible says you shall be the head and not the tail. It's there in the Bible. And you need to grab that word. You don't just come and say, I, I know God's will for me. He said that I will, not, I will pass. You understand? What, on, on what basis? Is it on, on philosophy? You must have the word of the Lord for it. And say, yes, the Lord said, I am the head and not the tail. I have an excellent spirit. And then you, you, you stay with that word. And then you say the amen to it. You say, I agree with this word. Hallelujah. And that's how the blood of sprinkling happens. You activate the blood of sprinkling by agreeing with the word of the Lord. Because the blood of Jesus has made these eternal promise. It's become a covenant for us. Hallelujah. Said hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet tonight. Stand to your feet. We see the power in the blood of Jesus. And so we're going to activate, one of the ways we activate the blood of sprinkling is through the communion. And so tonight, we're going to take the communion and then every word that we have spoken, we're sealing it with the communion and then be expectant. Tonight. I want to talk to the Lord. What is it that you want to speak? That as I partake of this communion, this is my expectation. Open your mouth and say it. Declare it.